Welcome to Promised Land at Home Podcast, where we bring people into an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ and each other. Wherever life has you, we pray that today's sermon both challenges and encourages you. We're so glad you're listening today and hope you enjoy the message. I have a few stats here, and uh, they're kind of sobering. You, you saw in the video that I uh, was talking about debt, paycheck to paycheck. Forbes has a... a um, a stat out that 78% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. 78%. Meaning you have no savings, no retirement. Credit card debt is now over $1 trillion in the United States. A trillion. And all of this spending happens, for the most part, Buying stuff that we want, not necessarily buying stuff that we, ah, yes. Um, Top four responses in a survey as to why there's wasteful spending in your household, 64% said, because I wanted it. 59% said, convenience. 52% said, makes myself feel good. And 40% said, because it was on sale. (laughs) How many of y'all can't pass up a good deal? I mean, it doesn't matter what it is. Man, 50% off a bag of whatever. I'll never use it, but I can't pass that deal up, right? There's some of you that just have that in your DNA. There's really... Today's message is not about money at all, but these statistics help kind of uncover something that's below the surface, and it begins with dissatisfaction inside of our thinking and our spirit, and one of the ways we cope with that dissatisfaction is by buying stuff, because there's nothing quite like that feeling of dopamine when you get that Package at the door every day from Amazon. Come on. Uh, There's nothing like that new car smell, right? And I had this past couple of months at the end of November and at the end of December, I had the dealership calling me, asking me, would you like to sell us your vehicle? Which sounds like, oh, wow, you want my vehicle? Wow. For those of you in the industry doing this, keep doing it. I'm not judging you, but trying to bring awareness to people here that you don't need a new vehicle, okay? Because this is literally, they they were sending me texts. Can we buy your vehicle? And I said, well, what will I drive if you buy my vehicle? And they were like, yes, that's... That's the right question. There was a, an expense at our house late November. I want to show you this picture of what happened in our house. Dramatic pause. There. Not the dog. The dog's been with us for a while. But the Christmas sweater. Erica said, I can't wait for you to see what I got, Perry. Sorry, dog. 
I can't wait for you to see. Then the box came from Amazon, unwrapped it, and then here comes Perry in her <laughs> Christmas sweater, which I had a video for you. It was very entertaining, but uh, now we pack this up for another 11 months somewhere in our house until we need to see Perry. This is Perry Christmas. How about that? A survey out of Cornell University in 2016 says that stress triggered by clutter, because what happens is we buy a lot of stuff, and then we don't know where to put it all, and so our house gets cluttered up with stuff, and the attic's full of stuff, closets are full of stuff, counter space is full of stuff, and then that creates the next level of stress because there's so much stuff that we have. I saw a, a statistic, another statistic this week that said that 80% of the clothes that we donate to Goodwill and other nonprofits go to recycling because there's just too many. There's just too many clothes. But this clutter that we have on our house, it says, this study from Cornell says that it triggers coping mechanisms to deal with the stress of the stuff that we bought to help us with the stress that we had before. And then we start another level of coping, which is junk food, oversleeping, binge watching stuff on social media all day long or whatever. And it just is this cyclical path of us going down. Well, the issue is that there's a void inside of us and we're trying to fill it with all of these other things. And I am welcoming you into 2024 at Promise Inn, and we're just simply calling this the year of the beloved. I want you to get a sense of what it's like to be loved by Jesus. We've been studying the book of John the last month, and we're just getting started. So for those of you that are brand new this year, welcome into this study. We're still in the first chapter. Today we're going to start with verse 19. But this is an interesting book in the Bible. We're taking a lot of time, more time than we've ever taken going through a book of the Bible. And um, I'm really excited about all of us receiving the truth of this gospel, the gospel of John. And um, there's a principle I just want to kind of let out of the bag at the very beginning of this series there, that, that's profound. And... As you read the book, you'll see what I'm saying. The author we've come to realize is the Apostle John, Jesus' disciple, John. And uh, that's the consensus. He wrote this book, and it's called John. But in this book, he never names himself. Uh, We're going to talk about John today, but it's a different John in the book of John. He doesn't name himself. There's a few times in the book where he says that there was a beloved disciple, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, many of us have read it, many scholars have read it and say, well, that's John describing himself. I want to open up the idea that John was talking about more than just himself. And I also want you to think about what it must be like to be this writer 
and you have a chance to put your name in the book, and instead of putting your name in the book, the way you want to be identified is, I am one that's loved by Jesus. And if we could all come to that place, I am a person that's loved by Jesus. What would that do to the rest of your life? What kind of ripple effect would happen if really at the core of your identity is this principle, this is who I am. I am someone that is loved by God. So what I want us to do at the very beginning of the year is begin to clear the clutter, not just out of your physical, I'm not talking about physical clutter, I'm talking about spiritual clutter and psychological clutter that's inside here and inside here that's taking the place of Jesus. And none of us starts off going, you know what, I need more stuff in my life. I need more habits. I need more pastimes or more entertainment or more. Those things are just added like layers throughout a year. Um, just naturally, simply, very small. And over time, they become more important to us. They become the center of our activities and our habits. And over time, they become the focus of everything. And, and there's just stuff everywhere in our heart. There's stuff everywhere in our mind. And Jesus could be this thing that we just kind of stick on the top of all of that. Instead of him being at the core, at the center of everything. So, with that in mind, I want us to read John uh, chapter 1, verse 19. This was John's testimony. Again, not the writer of the book, but John the Baptist. This is John the Baptist's testimony when the Jewish leaders sent priests and temple assistants from Jerusalem to John who was out in the wilderness baptizing people, which, by the way, 2,000 years later, if you go to this place on the Jordan River, it's still a wilderness. There's no civilization there. It is barren. It's crazy. So these priests in the temple in Jerusalem are like, we hear about this crazy guy out in the Jordan River area in the wilderness. Go find out who he is because he's starting to make a name for himself. We want to figure out who this guy is. So they go out there and they ask John, who are you? He came right out and said, I'm not the Messiah. Well, then who are you? They asked. Are you Elijah? No, he replied. Are you the prophet we're expecting? No. So you're not the Messiah. You're not Elijah. You're not the prophet. These were three that they all thought were coming. They were expecting these three. And so this is John's, the Baptist, opportunity to kind of hop in on that and be like, oh, we think, I'm the, yeah, I'm the prophet. You know, he could have really started to build a name for himself, but instead, he's very humble and he's very much centered on Jesus and his mission in life. Then who are you? We need an answer for those who sent us. What do you have to say about yourself? John replied in the words of the prophet Isaiah. 
I'm a voice shouting in the wilderness, clear the way for the Lord's coming. So he quotes Isaiah, who had said this hundreds of years before he's standing here. He quotes the great prophet Isaiah, I am a voice. And I, I love that he is so humble in this, and like a, you're a voice. Voices in and of themselves have very little value, okay, unless you're James Earl Jones or Morgan Freeman, or you have this amazing voice, right? What he's saying is the message is what matters. I don't matter. I'm just a voice in a wilderness crying. But the message is what matters, and the message is repent. When you read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they have the same story in those gospels, and the word that keeps coming out, if you could just reduce it to one word, is repent. Clear the way for the Lord's coming. The King James Version says, make the path straight. You know, in America, in a first world country, we're very spoiled with great roads. We can get in the car and go anywhere we want in our country. We complain about potholes in the road and the shoulder's not wide enough and why isn't this a four-lane road instead of a three-lane? You know, that's first world problems. We have great roads in this country. That was not the case here, and it's not the case now in other countries even. I was just talking to a family that lives in Honduras a few weeks ago, and they were talking about, you know, to get it from one side of Honduras to the other. It's not that far, but it takes so long because the roads are awful. And there's many places you have to find a path that's not on Google Maps, or the bridge is out, or it's flooding, or there's a tree across the road, or there's a... When I was in um, Nigeria, same thing. You, you can't just get on one side of Africa and drive to the other side. There's just, the road system's not there. And um, many times as we were driving all throughout the uh, places in Nigeria where we were, there were road stops all along the road. We had to stop. And thankfully, they were legitimate police officers that were really seeing, and they would look in the back of the vehicle, my dad and I were sitting in the back, and uh, we were the only white guys within many, many miles, and they would always ask us, are you here on your own free will? Because there's a lot of kidnapping and a lot of danger on the paths of these roads, and that's, that's what was happening in this particular uh, season and there there wasn't roads so when a king came in or a royalty came in and they were trying to go someplace they always had someone clearing the path and they had a security team with them as well making sure that there's a path for whoever this is to come that's the words of Isaiah and that's the words of John the Baptist to you today listen to my voice today it's not Robin speaking it is the Lord speaking that we all, everyone in here, we all need to repent of some things in our life and get them out of the way to prepare a path for Jesus to come into our lives in 2024. 
And this next part of the passage is even more encouraging. Verse 24, the Pharisees who had been sent asked him, if you aren't the Messiah or Elijah or the prophet, what right do you have to baptize? John told them, I baptize with water, but right here in the crowd is someone you do not recognize. Though his ministry follows mine, I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandal. This encounter took place in Bethany and an area east of the Jordan River where John was baptizing. John is saying you need to clear the path for the Lord's coming. And oh, by the way, he's here already. He's closer than you realize. You are standing in his midst. The, the Savior of the world, the creator. The, uh, earlier in this book, we saw that Jesus is described as the word of God who created the worlds. And he's this massive creative force. You would assume that he's going to float down on a cloud or have, you know, big muscles or, you know, superpowers shooting out of his fingertips. Like, we're going to see straight on. And there's some of you in here even today that have been expecting Jesus in some certain way to come towards you. And I want you to be aware today that he's actually a lot closer to you than you realize. And that you may be already wasting valuable time with the Savior of the world because you're so preoccupied, I'm so preoccupied, distracted with, with relationships that I'm in or uh, work or, you know, school or making money or whatever it is that, that we get so caught up in that we have taken our eye off the truth that Jesus is right here and he is ready to satisfy you and provide for you and take away any fear that you may have in your heart or your life. He is ready to do that and he's close to you, but it's going to take a a movement on our part. It's almost like a dance. Like, come and dance with me. And, and then there's an ebb and flow with our relationship with the Lord. God's not going to come up to you, knock you over the head, drag you back to your house, change everything about your life. He doesn't, he doesn't uh, force himself on us. He doesn't make us do stuff. We are completely living in an existence of free will. And so what John the Baptist is telling all of us at Promised Land here today is that we need to do an inventory early 2024 and examine our hearts and our paths, our habits, um, the schedule, the spending, the relationships, and what is it that is in my life that's taking the space of Jesus' love? You know, we, when, we're, when we're struggling in a certain area, we, we often go to some sort of earthly or worldly or temporary relief for that. And, um, and we can get sucked into that system of temporary relief and we never really receive the fulfillment of Jesus 
We were designed, God designed us to receive the fulfillment from him, from the word of God. And so repent, repent, repent. I'm glad you came to church today to hear the message. Jesus loves you. Jesus is the one you're looking for. And Jesus is a lot closer to you than you realize. But we need to make space for him. We need to do inventory in our life. And everybody in here has different things in our life that we are using as a crutch, using as a way to get through. It's a counterfeit God in our life that we are using to soothe us, entertain us, take off the pain, the edge, distract us so that we don't have to be confronted with the reality or the trouble that we're struggling with. And so, yes, Jesus is closer to you than you realize, and he wants to do great things in your life in 2024. But instead of just focusing on what he can do for us and what's going to happen to us, I want us to just step back for a second and just think, you know, just Jesus loving me is enough. Just to fully be aware of what that means, that he loves me. Jesus loves me. It's the first song we learn in Sunday school, right? Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Some of y'all just need to sing that all week (laughs) and rest in that truth. You know, as we get smarter, get older, we get more advanced or whatever, we never graduate from that truth. The love of Jesus changes everything. There is a ripple effect that will that will change every other part of our life. When at the core of my being, I just say I am loved by Jesus. So um, there's many things that happened in 2023 that were troubling for me in ways that I had never really experienced. And it's so easy in those tough times to get sucked into the moment and start, you know, my thinking, I'm a fixer, try to solve problems, details. So my sin that I fall into so easily and quickly is I try to take it into my own hands immediately And I try to fix it, whatever it is. And there's some things in life you can't fix. These little hands aren't ever going to fix them. But I'm loved by one who has the most capable hands of all time. I am loved by Jesus who has been through every trial that I will go through. I am loved by the creator of the world. 
the word that was spoken and light existed and trees existed and tigers existed and that word loves me. And if, if, if Jesus loves me, then that is going to either fix this problem or it's going to be the grace for me to get through this problem to the other side. And I don't have to rely on myself or, or my success. You know, honestly, some of the most dangerous places we can get to are places of success because we're starting to, starting to click for us. And, you know, we're making more money and we're making more connections and our business is growing and you know, your wife loves you, and your kids are doing well, and, ah, you know, we can start to shift that into ourselves. A pride starts to grow. We start to become judgmental against other people, like, why can't you be like me? <laughs> it's not what we say, but that's what we feel. <laughs> so success can put us in that same place of clutter in our heart and in our mind because when we are taking the throne of our life Jesus can't take the throne of our life and so it is this centeredness around the fact that Jesus loves me and he is the one that I want to have space for I want to make sure there's space for Jesus in my life and whatever it is. So I want to encourage you. We're not going to make this legalistic. And we're not going to give you rules and all that kind of stuff. How many days and what and all that. But I do want to encourage everybody in here to find a way over the next week or two to fast from some things in your life. Whether it's food or social media or not buying anything on Amazon for a week. Let's keep going. Um, I don't want to step on too many toes. Um, what if we just stopped with all of the things that we so naturally go to first and say, no, I want to go to Jesus first. The love of Jesus is the source of who I am. That's my identity. Who are you? That's the, one of the things that these uh, guys asked John the Baptist. Who are you? What do you have to say for yourself? I'm a voice of one crying in the wilderness. It's awesome. The, I want to go back just briefly to this concept of the physical, the physical stuff in our life. Uh, there's been studies to show that our stress in our home is directly related to the stuff and the clutter that's in our home, and that there's science that shows that when our home is straightened and clean and all that, that it reduces the uh, stress hormone and all that kind of stuff in our life. And then this, you know, so this physical clutter is important. But the main parallel that I'm 
trying to draw here today is the spiritual side of it. And that the spiritual clutter that's in our life and in our, in our psychology as well is really creating this cycle of dissatisfaction that it leads us to fulfill ourselves in other ways. And this clutter just keeps getting bigger and bigger and we live with more and more physical and spiritual mess all around us uh, because one, the, the thing is, is that all these things never satisfy us, right? I mean, even that new car smell, it's awesome, but it goes away, right? And then it's that, what do I need, what do I need next? What is it that's next in my, because all these, even human relationships can become dispensable to people because they're not getting out of it what they want. And the common phrase is, I deserve to be happy. And this relationship is not making me happy, so I'm going to leave this relationship. That's a whole nother sermon series and a whole nother topic. But it's, that, but it's just the principle of earthly things never fully satisfy us. Even marriages don't fully satisfy us. We have to be satisfied in God first. And then all these things shall be added onto you. Right? So, let's clear the path. 2024. Fast from some things. And this is the pressure point. This is when it's like tough. It's a test. You know, it's a test. It's difficult. It's never easy. Hebrews 12 and 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. He's the author of our faith. He's the perfecter, the finisher of our faith. And, and it's only him that we keep our eyes on. And so there is this job for us. There is this role for us where we are to strip off the weight. That we are to make space for us to be able to run the race and uh, this sin that so easily, I love the King James Version on this, entangles us. It trips us up. It entangles us. And so many of us have become so accustomed to it. And we even have coping mechanisms for that. And it's just that cycle of unrest. John 3, 30, John the Baptist is nearing his death. His selflessness and his life message ultimately, we'll see later, leads John to being beheaded by Herod. This is the words that he says before that happens. John 3, John 3 and 30. He, talking about Jesus, must become greater and greater and I must become less and less. And I want you to have that as your prayer. May Jesus be more and more. And may I. The, 
human identity. May the identity of being a disciple of Jesus, one beloved by Jesus, may that be what's the greatest part of me. And may me, my pride, and what I really hold value in, may that become less and less. He has come from above and is greater than anyone else. We are of the earth, and we speak of earthly things, but he has come from heaven and is greater than anyone else. Would you stand to your feet right now? Wants to go to God in prayer. And uh, would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me right now? I want to ask you these questions. I really want you to ask yourself. What is keeping me from praying more? What is holding me back from serving others? What is distracting me from being generous? How can I clear the path of my life? My thinking, my health, my schedule and habits, my relationships. Heavenly Father, we submit ourselves to you right now. Prayer of submission and humility. I pray right now, God, that you would begin to illuminate in our minds things that are in the way. Show us, speak to us, Lord, we're listening listening to you right now. If there's anything in my life right now that's getting in the way between me and you, Jesus, I want to do the work. And I'm committed to doing the work of clearing a path. I pray in the name of Jesus that everyone in here All ages, types of backgrounds and histories and goals, whatever. Everybody. In the name of Jesus, would sense how awesome it is to be loved by you. And that we would yield ourselves to that. Would you just pray very quickly a prayer of repentance right now? Heavenly Father, please forgive me of my sin. I surrender my heart to you right now, Jesus. I declare that you are my Savior. And that you, Jesus Christ, have done a work for me that I could never do for myself. I'm praying it and believing it. That you would fill this house, this family, every person with the wonderful Holy Spirit of the Lord, the holy presence of God. Let, us, let, it, let your presence be evident in our life in every facet, in every detail. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget we want to connect with you. You can find us on Facebook and YouTube by searching Promised Land San Marcos, on Instagram at PSM Church, or on our website, psmchurch.com. Thanks again for listening to the Promised Land at Home podcast.